On today's episode, we discuss the news surrounding the Leafs GM search. We look at some odds on FanDuel as to who could be in the running and a report about the direction of the club that kind of turns my stomach a little, Dave. All that more coming up on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome into the May 24th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, my guy, Dave Morissuti, each day of the week, Monday through Friday. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. What's going on, Dave? How's your day been, pal? Not too bad watching, you know, obviously watching some hockey, watching that we have two series in the Eastern Conference and West Conference final at 3 0. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that insane? The weird part about it is, and I guess the Vegas, you know, stars game three aside, because that one was a bit of a blowout. Now the thing was over five minutes in, seven minutes in, Mm -hmm. but they've all been so close. Like, I know they're both up three nothing, but like, this could easily be. 3-0 3-0 Carolina, and it could easily be, I guess, 2-1 to one for Dallas. Yet, good goaltending performances from both sides on with Aiden Hill in Vegas and obviously Bobrovsky with that guy's doing in Florida. And here we are, both teams just 1-1 one, one away from the Stanley Cup final. We're going to start the Stanley Cup by like mid-May, or well, I guess mid-May 20s, rather. <laughs> it's it's going to start before June if, if we keep this up. It's kind of wild, man. Yeah, very wild. And it, it also makes you think, okay, which team is finally going to crack between Vegas and Florida if that, in fact, ends up being the final? Because, like, it's it's just crazy because I don't think anybody, obviously nobody expected Florida to go this far. And then you're seeing everything kind of work. It, it, it's just like you talk about bounces. I'm not even going to talk about bounces anymore. It's just opportune, opportune times to just make take advantage and uh yeah it's it's just crazy to think that that's going to be where the final is going to be and i think if anybody actually made that prediction they'd be a very very rich person oh yeah yeah absolutely like you you could have made that wager a futures call on on fanduel or something like that months ago you would be a very very wealthy individual um if that ends up coming to fruition which again both teams are up 3-0 in their respective series, and we could very much see a, a Florida-Vegas Stanley Cup final. Um, before we get into the Leafs talk, you know, I'm, I, I am curious how you feel about, you know, how the things ended for Toronto. The fact that they went and only scored two goals in each of their final games against Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers, knowing that also the Carolina Hurricanes can't solve this guy and maybe that the the Leafs got goalied for an entire series. And uh, does it make you feel any better at all that Carolina's run into the same buzzsaw and that they also can't find a way to beat this Florida Panthers team and put goals behind Bobrovsky? I would if they had their full healthy lineup, like if they had Sveshnikov, if they had Pacioretty. 
I would. I would. I mean, they granted they did put up a lot of goals against the, the New Jersey Devils without those guys. So yeah, I think with with Carolina, they just it's just this, you know they're, they're getting the chances, but once again, they can't beat Bobrovsky. Like that's yeah. I, I'm saying. I was saying this to somebody. I can't remember who it was. Like this is Carey Price, 2021. No, 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 no. This isn't Carey Price, dude. You got to go back to like J.S. Jaguar oh, in 2003. Yeah, like right. that's how dominant this is. Like Kara Price was great in that run for Montreal. This is dominance, pure, sheer dominance. And according to uh, the underlying numbers, since they've started tracking like goal saved above expected and whatnot, like all these, you know, metrics, this has been the most dominant eight game stretch of any, any goaltender in postseason, in regular season, in preseason, in in international play, any stretch of eight games, this is the most dominant stretch that has ever been put forward by a goaltender in eight straight games. And what we're seeing in Bobrovsky dating back to Game Five against the uh, the the Boston Bruins, all the way until what we saw, which was a, a shutout victory, a one nothing shutout in Game Three against the Carolina Hurricanes. It's it's never been done that a player has gone this many games by being this dude. The last eight games, he's got like a nine sixty save percentage. It's insane, nine sixty average. Not one game where he was. That's what he's averaging, Dave. It's wild madness. Like when was the last? Like I can't remember the last time he allowed more than three goals in a hockey game. It was the first game he played against Boston. They lost that game, and since then he's just been unstoppable. Like he's gone eight straight games where he's allowed two or less. It's it's crazy. And the game game he lost, and the game he lost between no in rounds two and three was a two-one hockey game. Yeah, like it's just crazy. It's got a lot of people also saying. Eh, you know what? Maybe having a really, really, really good goaltender helps, but come on. Like I, I'll say no. this. How can you predict a goaltending performance like this? Even if I understand people saying, well, that, well, Barovsky's got two Vesnas. He had that one good series against the lightning. Like we haven't seen a goaltending performance like this. You just said it <laughs> almost 20 years. Like let's, let's be realistic here. Like this is not something you should come to expect. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Quick, that that second when he won the cup, I can't remember if it was the first or second cup they won, but he was dominant in that stretch as well. Um, Tim Thomas, when he won in in Boston, like that was a really dominant stretch where he played great throughout the playoffs. But still, the numbers would suggest that there there has not been a string of eight straight games played of any goaltender since they started tracking these underlying metrics that have been better than what Bobrovsky's doing right now. It's it's wild, man. Like, it, it, again, he's one game away, one win away this team is from going to the Stanley Cup final. I don't even think he has to win the Stanley Cup to be a front runner at this point for a con Smythe. Like, if he can just continue to play, you know, this this level of hockey, and let's say they lose, you know, a bunch of one nothing 2-1 games, um, I think he could still win the con Smythe. Like, this is how, how good it is. And that's why I bring up Jay Shiger. I believe he's the last player to win the con Smythe on the losing team. 
I mean, there's a, a possibility that Bobrovsky, if they don't win, but they make it, and he, he continues to play this well, but that offense doesn't show up, dude, he could still win the con Smythe. It's insane. Um, but to your point, you say that there's a lot of people talking about goaltending, and sometimes it's nice to pay up and have a guy who can perform like that. Well, I would say look at the team on the other side. Who knew Aiden Hill was going to be this, this, you know, was going to be this guy? So, you know, it's I think um, it, it's nice what Bobrovsky's doing, but it's not necessarily necessary, I suppose. Although every game has been a one-goal game in this in this hurricane series. So I suppose it has been necessary realistically, but um, it's, it's, it's quite something, man, quite something. And, and I just was thinking, I wonder if Leaf fans look at this and say, you know what, like a, a week or two weeks later, man, maybe this Florida team is just, it's, it's a team of destiny at this point. And there was nothing when that was going to be able to, to stop them because they just got on a run. They got a, a hot goaltender, who doesn't look like he's showing any signs of wear and tear either. I mean, the dude went through a four OT game and continues to go out there. And in the two subsequent games after that only allowed one goal total. It's, it's baffling in a good way of what this guy's been able to do between the pipes. Yeah, I know it, it, it's, it's crazy. And the thing what Vegas gave up to get him, like <laughs> it was just insurance because Robin Leonard, uh, how about Bobrovsky, but yes, yeah. I wanted to bring up Aiden Hill because of what they paid to get him because of the Robert, like if Robin Leonard's healthy, Aiden Hill's not even in the picture. Yeah. Um, Bobrovsky, the thing about that is I always hated the contract he signed when he signed it because I didn't think goaltenders, like you can't tie up. It's not about the money. It was about the commitment to one goaltender. You usually don't see goaltenders live up to those contracts. You look at Carey Price, what happened there, and you see a lot of, teams kind of suffer when they go and give a goaltender a long-term commitment i mean for bobrovsky this is just like it's not just his like the fact that he's living up to the contract right now but it's also his demeanor right you listen to him talk i think it was um he was doing a tnt interview after the after the game and talking to henrik longfist and just you can just see by his demeanor his calmness that that's probably what's also giving him this, you know, this extra, I guess, I don't know what's the perfect word to describe it, just this ability to just push aside all the negative comments from all the struggles he had during the regular season. Wasn't even the, the starter to come to the playoffs. Like, if Spencer Knight is also available, like, is he the guy that, that Florida goes to as well, right? Like, it's just crazy how these like storylines just kind of all line up in a certain way for Bobrovsky because I had no inkling that Bobrovsky was going to be this type of goaltender for them. No, nobody did. I mean, like six weeks ago, we're talking about how Bobrovsky is the worst contract in hockey, and now all of a sudden he's a savior here in Florida and well worth uh, the eleven million dollars that he's being paid. At least he's he's making it worth it right now with the performance that uh, that he's given them. I mean. Uh, that was a $70 million contract. If, if that, if it ends with a Stanley cup at any point within that 70, you know, that, that seven year commitment, I would say they would sign off and be like, you know what? It was worth it. He was dog crap for the first three years, but if he wins a Stanley cup in year four and then he's dog crap for the next couple, Hey, they want a Stanley cup. I guess you could say it, it may have been worth it. And on the back of that guy individual uh, um, specifically, but 
the reason why I think it's interesting that we're talking about goaltending and the strength of what goaltending can do for you, and, and we're seeing that happen right now through the playoffs, and it's not that Samsonov was a, a, a bad goaltender throughout the playoffs or that Joseph Wall, when he came in, played poorly. I thought both of those guys were, were pretty good. They weren't spectacular. Uh, they were pretty good, though. But uh, there was an interesting piece written in The Athletic about a, a certain goaltender that should he come on the market could be, you know, give you the Bobrovsky slash Vasilevsky level performance come postseason. And there is an interesting comment about whether or not Toronto should be interested. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. I'll tell you who the goaltender is that I'm referring to and whether or not we think that should be something the Maple Leafs should consider moving into the offseason. We'll also get into some of the general manager uh, search conversation that's been ongoing here in the city of Toronto. We've got some odds from our friends at FanDuel as to uh, who the odds-on favorites are, according to the betting markets, to uh, to become the next general manager. So we'll pick a couple of our favorites from that list there. Uh, before we go any further, though, I do want to tell you guys all about one of our favorites, and it is the Game Time app. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Uh, forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, hockey, baseball, concerts, whatever you're looking for. They got it on the Game Time app. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We are hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. And just because the season's over doesn't mean that our coverage ends. We will be taking you through all of the offseason busyness that will be ongoing over the course of the next six weeks and even through the offseason. We don't take no breaks here, there's no offseason on the Lockdown Leafs podcast. So if you're looking to stay up to date on the latest of what's going on in Leafland, make sure that you do follow us and uh, subscribe to Lockdown Leafs wherever you get your podcast from on audio, also up on YouTube um, on video as well. Hit the little notification bell as well to notify yourself on when we drop new content, typically each weekday morning. Um, we'll get into the GM search in just a moment and, you know, who some of the favorites might be and who we might like and, and kind of circle as guys who we hope get, uh, spoken to and interviewed for the position. But before we get into that, I was just talking about a, a goaltender out there who might be on the market, who has that Bobrovsky slash carry price level quality to them where they can go on a run and he can, make a difference and be a, a, a shutdown goaltender in the playoff um, playoff time come postseason just because he's so good. And the name of that goaltender is Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. If the Jets go in a direction here where they want to kind of retool things, and look, it doesn't seem like it's a very good spot right now in Winnipeg. And 
Uh, the things clearly ended terribly. The the coach went off on his players, and the players themselves were like, "Yeah, we didn't really like the way that he went off on us." And it's a pretty tough situation there. And even Connor Helba came out and said, "Look, I'm not willing to go through a rebuild if they want to retool this thing and move on from a Shifley or a Connor and a Blake Wheeler or whoever." You know, he might not want to stick around for that. And if that's the case, he's a guy who's got some, you know, some years on his contract and, and pretty good term. And uh, Shana Goldman of The Athletic was writing about seven teams who should Hellebuck be up for grabs. Um, these seven teams should certainly inquire, one of which, Dave, she wrote about was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Would you inquire if you were the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, bringing in potentially a Connor Hallibuck and the price that it would cost to acquire him. That's that's the big one there. What's the price going to be? Because we know that what could change here for Winnipeg, and I listened to Connor Hallibuck do his end-of-year presser. I actually wrote, wrote about what he had to say he did not seem enthused about any uh, any idea of going to a team that wasn't going to compete he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild he doesn't want to be a part of the team that's going to step take a step back you know winnipeg they're kind of in a similar situation like the leafs where they have not achieved what they need to achieve there's a lot of questions about the core you know what what um you know rick bonus has said about the about the actual players on the team as well so I think where the Jets have to be very careful here is avoiding a situation where Hellebuck kind of dictates how things end here, right? Like if it may, if it comes out that Connor Hellebuck not only wants out of Winnipeg but wants out, he's basically not going to sign there. They lose a lot of leverage, and that's that's going to be a perfect opportunity for a team to swoop in here. Because how many teams are looking at what Sergei Bobrovsky is doing right now, as you said, and say, you know what? We may have to pay a lot for Connor Hellbuck, but what he can cover up would be worth it in a lot of right. ways. Right? You know, I don't know what that cost would look like for, in the Leafs' eyes, but we're seeing the value of a goaltender, an elite goaltender. We know Connor Hellbuck is that elite goaltender, maybe overplayed based on today's NHL goaltending standards. But I think what the Leafs have right now is they got they got some options, right? Ilya Samsonov is an RFA. Does he have to be included in a deal, right? An RFA is a very attractive quality for a team like Winnipeg that will likely need a goaltender back in any deal. They have Joseph Wall signed for you know the next few years. That's another thing to consider as well. Hellbuck is also on a pretty decent deal, considering the type of production he puts up. I will say this: uh, I thought he had another year left on his deal. He doesn't, though. He is technically one year away, pending UFA. So he's in a similar situation to Nylander and to and and Matthews, where technically he is eligible to sign an extension. Mm -hmm come July 1st. So you could make out some sort of, you know, sign and trade where you figure that out before mm -hmm. you make that deal. I would imagine you don't give up the assets needed to bring in a superstar goaltender like that without figuring out what the long-term solution would be there. But I guess the question that, that probably will be brought up in, in that discussion, Dave, is, you know, what would you be willing to give up for Connor Hellebuck? I mean, 
I don't think you could get it done with the second round pick, Alex Kerfoot and, and, you know, Jeremy Bracco for uh, old, for a little old deep cut there. I can you know what I mean? Yep. I remember those ones. Right. So like, what is it now? Nick Robertson, probably Robertson Kerfoot in a second. Like that's probably not going to get it done. I would think, uh, no. I think it would take a, a, you know, a pretty big piece or pieces, to make a deal like that, I would, I would assume. And and they're also going to have to move out some of the salary. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether or not these big boys will return. Would you be willing to maybe include one of Nylander or Marner in a deal to try and get Hellebuck back? If you can figure out a sign and trade, maybe there's more to the deal, but you know, yeah. those would be kind of the main, main parameters of it. Would you be open to that? Like a Nylander for, hella buck and see what happens see how else the deal shakes out yeah i mean that's that's the real key there is if you're going to trade one of the big boys let's say it's marner you're going to need more you're going to need obviously there have to be more on winnipeg side to come back to make the salaries work because the math doesn't add up there nylander is an interesting one just because i don't know if he if i envision nylander as a guy that will want to stay long term in winnipeg no that's true that's true. Right. And I think that would be, and obviously the timing of this is important too, right? Because Nylander will eventually be in a position where he can have, I think it was a 10 to 12 team, no trade list. I would assume maybe Winnipeg would be on that list. I mean, we're, I, I'm just spitballing here. You make this trade prior to July one here, Pally, and then you don't have that problem. Make yeah. that trade with the draft. Exactly. Right. And I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't hate the idea that if you're gonna remove from, if you're gonna add somebody of a Connor Hellebuck, you you obviously want to try to keep the core together, but you also need to understand that there's an imbalance when you have all those forwards making all that money, and you want to go and add a significant piece of the blue liner net. You got to take it from somewhere. When you're budgeting out something, you want to bring in a sizable piece. Well, another sizable piece has to come out. So. If it's Marner and Nylander that are being thrown, if 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 that's what Shovel Dayoff asks for, I I think you got to take it an approach where you have to kind of see what if if it makes sense to do that because look, Nylander's not staple to your long term. Technically, Marner isn't after two years. This is not like Marner's in like year three of an eight year deal. He's only here for two more seasons. So that's why I'm, you know, you can, you should really seriously consider it. Obviously, Hellebuck, you got to be concerned about what his contract demands are going to be, how much he wants, and what's the term. As I just said, goaltending, you got to be very careful how much you're willing to commit. But it's also Connor Hellebuck is among those goaltenders that you're willing to pay for, right? Think of like Jacob Markstrom when he came from Vancouver to Calgary. I understand it didn't work this year, but how it elevated Calgary when they brought in Jacob Markstrom. It, it uh, just Vesna caliber last year, right? Exactly. Right. The year before he was a Vesna caliber goaltender. We talked about Thatcher Demko at one point, right? Like yeah. you got to go and find those goaltenders that you know for sure are going to give you those elite performances. And look, this is not a takeaway from Joseph Wall. He can he could maybe stick around and learn under a guy like this and maybe you don't have to go eight years for Connor Hellbuck if you also got Joseph Ball in your future plans too. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting thing that was brought up here, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were. Um, Matt Murray, Nick Robertson, and a third. 
That's what we're getting. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Salt. Matt Murray, Nick Robertson, the third for Connor Hellebuck. That'll get it done for sure. For sure. Uh, really quickly, actually, before we take one more break and get to the GM stuff, I don't know. Did you see this report from Chris Johnson on his podcast yesterday regarding the conversation? He he apparently he gathered information somehow. I I, I didn't ask him directly, but um, he was reporting that the Leafs' top players were called by Brendan Shanahan before the Dubas news was announced. And the top players from the Toronto Maple Leafs, according to CJ, were led to believe that Shanahan's plan is to retain the core four and potentially run it back next year with the same group. How much of that... Well, first and foremost, what do you make of that report? And... Do, do, does this core even deserve to run it back one more time? Like, do you think under with, with a new coach and a new GM, new new leadership, new management, and a new bench boss, does this core four deserve one more chance with a new voice? Oh, I think the realization here of why they don't want to do that is they feel like any trade they make involving those guys, they don't necessarily get back that much better as a team i think that's the concern there i i just think you've seen it over the last seven years i'm bringing the do the dubious years into this it just it just hasn't been enough with this core and i just don't know what else you could be looking for this like it's not like okay bringing a new voice well they technically brought a new voice when they got rid of mike babcock and brought in sheldon keith and that voice wasn't enough what yeah. other like I understand that you can you can find another coach to do maybe do like what Paul Maurice has done in Florida. His voice apparently is working, but I mean they also brought in Matthew Kachuk. Right. It has been a right. pretty big part of turning that that thing around. And that's and that's say. where like how do you not look at what Florida has done where they bring in a Matthew Kachuk and say, you know what? They that was a pretty big move and like in a way, there was risk to it, right? You gave up Jonathan Huberto, who was your top scorer, and Mackenzie Weger, who was a it, it it decimated their blue line. Top, he was a top pair defenseman for them, yeah, for sure. You decimated their defensive blue, defenseman, right? Like there was there was risk involved with that, and but at the same time, what they also believe was Matthew Chuck, what he brought the it, to the locker room, not just his production on the ice, but off the ice too. The problem here, though, Dave, is like, where's their Matthew Kachuk? Exactly. You know, like, who can they get that would be that Matthew Kachuk style of player? And I'm not sure who that would be if that's out there and if one is available. Like, Florida just kind of got lucky that Kachuk told um, Calgary once Goudreau left, hey, I don't want to be here. Trade me. I'd like to go to Florida. I'd sign a long-term extension there. So then Florida was like, okay. We'll trade for you. We'll give up this, that, and the other. And they got it done. Yeah. But there has to be two parties, two willing combatants to make a deal here. And we don't know yet if there is or isn't another, you know, superstar who'd like 
to find his way into a, a new situation and, you know, the right fit, I guess, for Toronto to, to make a, a trade like that. But I did find it interesting that, um, you know, before, before making the Dubas news public, he decided to call the players and led them to believe that he wants to run it back and makes me believe that maybe some of the rift here between Sheldon Keefe or between Kyle Dubas and, uh, and Brennan Shanahan maybe had to do with, you know, the Shanahan plan was to make it work with this core, whereas Dubas wanted to kind of go in a different direction. And, and that's where these two kind of started to butt heads. And ultimately, maybe, you know, we talk about autonomy and how much that led to um, Shanahan making that final decision. I wonder how much of that was also the fact that Kyle wanted to move on from one of the core four and Shanny did not. Therefore, Kyle wanted to try and bypass Shanahan and go straight to the board to make decisions. And essentially, Shanny was like, that's not happening. In fact, you can actually go. <laughs> and like, I wonder if that's what happened here. It's kind of what it's almost sounding like when you're putting together all these reports was, you know, just they had two different philosophies and how the future of the club needed to be ran. And uh, I don't know, man, I, I, I would be hard pressed to, uh, to get on board with them bringing the core four back. I'm not saying that it can't work and that it won't work, but um, it would be probably not my first choice. I would probably prefer a trade, uh, but if they do bring him back, I think they're still, an, uh, you know, it's still a good team. Like they're still a great, a greatly built franchise ultimately. Um, but do they have that killer instinct? Will that switch finally flip? You know, will they run into a, a crap goaltender instead of a goalie who goes on a run that's been better than anyone ever in the history of hockey that we just saw in Bobrovsky? I don't know. But um, it, it certainly is – it's an interesting little wrinkle here that before Shanahan's even brought in a new general manager, he's already kind of telling the players, hey, we still want to keep you guys. And that could change, but now I wonder if that's kind of going to be the directive of whoever the new guy is. It's like, hey, you can do whatever you want around the peripherals, but we want to keep the core four intact. Again, these are just reports. A lot of it is subject to change. DeMar DeRozan was once assured that he wasn't going to get traded, and look what happened. Um, Paul Davis was also told that they want to have him back. Things changed. And within 24 hours, he had a was sitting there sipping his coffee at Fort Performance Center, and Shani walked in and said, EFI it. And uh, here we are. Still tons of questions as to what is next for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Why don't we take uh, a quick break? When we get back, let's talk about some of the um, general manager options that the Maple Leafs have and the odds that FanDuel has provided us uh, in you know, who could potentially be the successor to Kyle Dubas's GM job. So we'll do that next here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. Still lots of questions up in the air for what's next here in Toronto. And the general manager search is underway, according to TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger. Uh, it, it, it might not be an expansive search. It sounds as though they kind of know 
the type of person they want to go out and target. Uh, and it may only be a few names that they interview, not as much of a, a big, you know, uh, with a big net to cast here, unlike the Raptors head coaching search, which seemingly a new name pops up every single day. Dave, I don't know if you've been following that. Steve Nash, the latest name that I saw they're talking to. Uh, and eventually we'll talk about a coaching search here in Toronto, but I'm sure that will that will come after we figure out who the GM is going to be. Um, but again, experience is something that I think is an attractive option for Brendan Shanahan. I don't think I know he quite specifically told us that at his uh, press conference doesn't necessarily mean it has to be, but it is something that he, uh, he views as an attractive asset experience and someone who's been in the fire before, um, which would explain why when we look at the odds on FanDuel for who the Leafs next general manager is, it is someone who has experience and someone who has experience in making blockbuster deals. If that's what Toronto wants to do. And it's former flames general manager, Brad, uh, Brad Treliving is currently the front runner at plus 200 over on FanDuel to be the next general manager here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What would you think about Brad Treliving being, uh, being the next man up? Is he high on your list of guys who you think should get the job here? It's so tough because where I'm iffy on true living is his resume and Dubas's resume are eerily similar in terms of the success that their teams have had, right? Like Brad living has his team hasn't gone past the second round during his tenure when he was with the flames. That being said, I don't hate the moves that he had made when he was in Calgary, right? Like, he brought, I know he he had to trade Matthew Kachuk and that deal didn't exactly pan out maybe the way that Flames fans would have liked. But he, as I said, he did go and get Jacob Markstrom. He did go out and draft guys like Andrew Manjapani, Dylan Dubé. Um, he traded for Dougie Hamilton and also subsequently traded Dougie Hamilton not long after that. Like he's, he's had some decent moves, you know, during his tenure, he's been put into tough situations. Um, but at the same point, same time, it's like, I don't know if he's going to be any better um, than if he comes to the Toronto, right? I don't know what he would do differently in Toronto. I just think he's a name that has experience. He's worked under the structure that MLSE currently works under. So maybe that's why he's attractive, but, I'm not totally, totally th- ready to throw all my eggs into the Bradshaw living basket. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, um, you know, the points you bring. So who would be someone, though, if you're looking at this list of guys, someone who is an attractive option for you, Dave? And we're If you're just listening, we're, we're looking at uh, the odds here on FanDuel. Um, on you know, for our YouTube viewers, you can see this. For those listening, we're looking at about a list of about fifteen names or so of guys who have been uh, who are considered uh, front runners, favorites, potential options at the very least uh, to be uh, the least next general manager. Like who who's another name out here that makes some sense to you? I I'm a big Jason Botterill guy. Yeah, I've liked what he did, and and look. I understand his Buffalo tenure didn't go as seen as perceived, but Buffalo is also very much quick to fire people 
when things aren't going great. But he also did some good things there that Buffalo is now starting to see the fruits of the labor, right? Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin. Like, those moves there were all Jason Botterill. Well, Rasmus Dahlin was very much, uh, we had the first overall pick. Okay, yeah. we're taking the top prospect. I don't know yeah. if that was necessarily something to pat pat him on the back for. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he made some pretty good moves. I mean, obviously, the Tage Thompson thing took a couple of years for us to realize that that was yeah. uh, a win for, for Buffalo just because, I mean, it took him a while to get going and, Ryan O'Reilly went on to, to win a Stanley Cup at a con Smythe the following year. Um, yes, Jason Bottle was definitely an interesting name, and he's at plus 2,500 right now, which is, what, sixth tied tied for fifth um, in the odds here. I think Jason Bottle would be probably among my my top three candidates, I would say. But, like, what about someone internal? Like, do you give Brandon Pridham any chance in hell in getting this job? Like, could he – you know, impress Shanahan with the work that he's doing as the in the interim as he's filling in that that void currently while they're on a GM search? Or do you think ultimately, you know, Shanny doesn't view Pridham as a GM with quote bite and uh will look to get somebody else here? I think where I would need to see any sort of I like any faith in that idea is if Pridham's allowed to do any moves between now and and the new GM is hired, right? Shanahan did. I know it was reported, but he, he did signed Vashislav Pexa. By the way, was that was that pro, pa, after Dubas was let go? I guess he was. So believe so. So, but the, where I like Shanahan said to all thirty-one teams, talk to Brandon Printham. He is the guy. Question here is: Will Brandon Printham be allowed to do anything? And if he is, then I start to believe in that idea a little bit more if nothing happens in this next little while to me that signals maybe they're just not willing to give him that role yet like he's done the cap you know the salary cap gymnastics he understands this team's cap structure the roster and all those things thing is we don't hear him talk about in any way we haven't heard him talk about his vision for a team what he likes to see from a team like we don't have any idea because we just he's just been the guy kind of tucked away in a, in an office kind of doing all this stuff right he doesn't have the acumen of as you said the other guys just because we haven't heard much about him so i would i wouldn't hate it because he's 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 got if they bring in the right assistant general manager to work with him yeah and do these moves but yeah i don't know how i feel about the lack of experience as, on a hockey standpoint well just because you don't you're not hearing about him mm-hmm. you know making moves and and making noise up there in the front office for the maple Leafs doesn't mean he's not yeah you know involved like i i've i've had a personal conversation with brandon Pridham up in the press box and i flat i'm like what do you like i know that you you know are the cap guy and whatnot so like once the playoffs start or once the uh you know the the postseason or after the trade deadline where the cap is it is what it is essentially and that's not necessarily you don't have much more gymnastics to roll through like what's your day-to-day look like and he's like oh you know talking with agents doing this doing that like he is doing some of those day-to-day duties that you know agms and gms do you know what I mean? Like he he does have a relationship with the players, his relationship with their agents. 
Um, he has been involved in preliminary trade discussions. Um, I think we've talked about this on this podcast before, but you know, when he was trying to find teams, when the Maple Leafs were trying to find teams to broker deals with at the deadline, where they were looking to try and find, you know, teams who were going to take half of O'Reilly's contracts. Um, and then again, half of Chicago's contract uh, for, for Jake McCabe, like he was the one who went and, and made that happen. You know, he laid the groundwork to get a, a hold of Minnesota and get them to take 50% of O'Reilly's deal. You know, he laid the groundwork there, and then Dubas obviously pushed everything across the goal line. So it's not as though he's not, he has zero experience. It's just more behind the scenes. He's been diligently working away, similarly to what Kyle Dubas, I guess, did prior to him getting promoted before Lou Lamorello came. It was a little more in your face because he was kind of known as, you know, the prodigy, the next one, you know, the guy that eventually was going to succeed Lou Lamorello. And I guess he was more hands-on with the Marlies where Pridham isn't the Marlies guy. That'd be Ryan Hardy, who's also on this list. Um, but I think that there's a, a, a legitimate chance that he could be an internal option. I wouldn't put him up at the top of the list as the favorite by any means. I know technically, according to FanDuel, he's second at plus 350 behind Brad Living, But um, I wouldn't rule him out. I think it's there's there's a little bit more of a chance that he could be part of this process uh, than, you know, maybe some people are, are just automatically writing it off and, you know, saying, nope, no experience, can't be part of the process. I think there he can be. I think that, you know, internally – Shanahan would have a little bit more appreciation for what he's seen Brandon do than uh, than most people. So, and we did see him also go out and interview for the Calgary job. He didn't get it. It ultimately went to an internal guy in Calgary and Craig Conroy. But clearly, it means that there are teams out there that do respect the work that Brandon Pridham has done enough to see. Hey, let's see what this guy can can you know put together as a package. Maybe he can be the general manager of our team. Maybe Toronto feels like they can kind of find somebody internally if, um, if if that maybe could be the case. I don't know. I, I think there's more of a chance than than some people are thinking that Pridham could be the guy here for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't if, if Brandon Pridham was the guy that was announced, I wouldn't hate it because we know he's familiar with the team. Players would know him. You know, agents would know him as well. He does a lot of work there. I wouldn't hate it. I just, I'm, it would have been an, like Shanahan didn't really seem like to really push that idea forward. So that's the other thing to consider as well. Yeah. Uh, no Doug Armstrong on this list yeah. from FanDuel. And uh, that was a, that kind of got some legs here. This Doug mm -hmm. Armstrong uh, potentially leaving St. Louis to come to Toronto, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, it's not something we see happen in the in the NHL. We've seen it happen in other sports where, you know, coaches have been traded, I guess, essentially, um, and gone to different organizations. But it, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that Doug Armstrong, why would he want to do that? Why would the Blues allow him to leave when they're a team that's in a little bit of flux right now, too, going through a bit, a bit of a retool? Um, and Darren Dreger came out today and, and poured some cold water on it, saying that the Doug Armstrong rumor of, of him, you know, potentially leaving St. Louis to come to Toronto, uh, the source that he was, 
um, told or the source he has told him that uh, it's quote all fabrication to this point. So uh, it, it doesn't sound like Doug Armstrong is going to be part of the process either. Um, I'd be curious what that means for George McPhee, which was another guy who's with the team, um, you know, a high, high up as a president's role with Vegas, you know, what that means for him also going forward. Um, so that does take out a lot of veterans, right? Guys with bite as, as he's, you know, the, the insiders have quoted the Maple Leafs looking for, there's not a whole lot that are left out there on the open market who have that experience, who have that bite. Um, in which case, again, it, it may end up being that Brandon Pridham, the internal hire, could be the, the next best option. But ultimately, I don't know, maybe they made the wrong choice in <laughs> hastily moving on from Kyle Dubas. And maybe they'll figure that out a couple of years from now. But uh, I think it, it you know, We'll have to see how this new guy operates and, and how this team performs uh, for the next couple of years before we can kind of look back and play the what if game. All right, Dave, why don't we uh, put a bow on things for today? Uh, good conversation there. And I'm sure we could pick back up on a lot of this stuff and hopefully we get some more names that start to leak out here over the coming days that, uh, you know, kind of start to get some interviews here in Toronto and we can really start to, hone in on, on some of the front runners here for the Leafs GM job. And then eventually find out what's going on with the coach. There's 10 UFAs that need to get re-signed. There's obviously a couple of players uh, that have some upcoming extensions that could be signed. Lots of stuff still to go on in Leafland. And, uh, you know, we'll be covering it all, buddy. We'll be covering it all Monday through Friday. We got new episodes coming out on the podcast but that'll do it for us here today i'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show you can subscribe to the lockdown these podcasts and all podcasts and platforms and receive daily leaves content monday through friday follow myself on twitter at mickey underscore canuck follow dave at d underscore morasuti follow the show as well at locked on leaves we'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow but until then keep it locked right here on locked on leaves